Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, We Preach Christ Crucified. This shall be focused on the study of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, that heavens and earth will pass away, but Your word will never pass away. And we thank Thee, Father, that we preach Christ crucified. And so we pray, Lord, and may our lives be a testimony of Thy word, and may others look at us and see You in us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The first epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians, chapter 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him, in all utterance, and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That, according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him 
glory in the Lord. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. This was preached in 1962 on June the 12th. We'll begin at paragraph 22 up to paragraph 82. I trust you find it to be a blessing. Now, let us read some of the precious word now before we talk on it again just for a little bit. And let's turn in the Bible now over in the book of St. Matthews to you who wish to write down the text. Let's begin with the 12th chapter and the 38th verse, down including the 42nd verse. And there were certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and an adulterous generation seeketh after sign. And there shall be no sign given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was in three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The man of Nineveh shall rise in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. If I should call a little word that I like to draw from that, behold, a greater than Solomon is here. He had been rebuking those Pharisees for their their disbelief. They had had the Bible down through the ages, the scrolls, where all the prophets that spoke of Him coming. All the way from Moses, when he wrote Genesis, spoke of the coming Messiah. Moses described Him just what He would be. How that... Isaiah described how he would be born, how his birth would be of a virgin. And um, Moses spoke that he would be a prophet, just like him. And all these things had been said about our Lord. And yet the, the system of that day had just made got away from the Word and had what they were living by, their tradition of the elders. And... I hope our churches never get like that, to get away from believing God's Word to traditions of the elders. Then we form dogmas and then put things in the, in the our doctrine that really isn't in the Bible. And I hope we always stay full gospel and preach the whole gospel all the time, all of us. That's um, that's way I think that God meant it for us to just preach the whole thing. And now, as I've often said, I may not have faith to make every promise come to pass, but I sure wouldn't stand in the way of somebody who did have enough faith to do it. I've often said I'd like to have enough faith like Enoch did, that I wouldn't have to die when my time comes, just take an afternoon stroll and go up home with him. But if I haven't got that faith, I'm sure... Hope I get to see somebody that has got it. And I'll trust that someday we'll all have that faith. That when he comes, we can just take a stroll and go home with him. Now, Jesus had strictly, as we noticed last night in the little drama, that he would strictly performed and did just exactly what the Scripture said he would do. And many of those had believed it because even like the woman at the well, as soon as that a spirit and act flashed upon her heart, she knew quickly that that was the sign of the Messiah. There was uh, the Messiah, when He came, He was to do that manner of work. So she said, you must be a prophet. I see sometimes we 
uh, disregard something that's real good because it doesn't have the, the polish on it that we think it ought to have. Uh, I don't want to get away from my text, but here some years ago I was reading where that, that there was a man had done a, a crime and he was been put in prison and tried and was uh, found guilty of something that he had did when he was in the service and it's during the time of Abraham Lincoln and they were going to shoot the man at uh, sunrise on a certain morning. Some good friend that loved him and he pleaded uh, for him and he couldn't get no answer so he went to the highest source that he could. He went to Mr. Lincoln. They said that Mr. Lincoln was getting out of the carriage and he fell down before him and said, Mr. Lincoln, uh, sir, told the case and he said, He's a good man. I think he had run away in time of something, battle or, or didn't, didn't obey his charge or something. And so, and he said he was just nervous. He'd come out of a good home and said he was just nervous and tore Mr. Lincoln, he didn't mean to do that. And day after tomorrow morning, they're going to shoot him. Uh, he dies by a firing squad. Day after tomorrow morning. Said, Mr. Lincoln, you are a Christian. Said, you one signature of yours would pardon that man's life. And said, he didn't mean to do that, I'm sure. Said, I begged for him as a friend. Mr. Lincoln picked up a piece of paper and just wrote on it, said, pardon by Abraham Lincoln. He take it to the man in prison. He would not receive it. He said, you present it. He would not receive it. He said, no, if it was Mr. Lincoln's, it would have to be sealed by a seal in the United States and so forth. And all like that said that how the polish it had to be on it. And because he rejected it, he was killed. Because he rejected that there was Mr. Lincoln's see, or, or name signature, but he rejected it. And then it was tried in court because there was his name said that, that he pardoned the man and the man was shot. So when it was tried in federal court, here was the decision of the federal court. A pardon is not a pardon unless it be accepted as a pardon. So that's the way God's Word is. It's the Word of God to all those who will accept it as the Word of God. If it's not, well then it isn't. So we believe the Word and that's the reason we're watching for the sign of His appearing. We don't want to be wrong in that. We want to, don't want to take somebody's uh, thoughts about it. We want to read it right out of the Word. So Jesus had strictly and straightly performed every sign that he is supposed to be. Now we also know, before we leave the, this part of the subject, that the Jews seek signs. See? Greeks' wisdom, and Paul said, we preach Christ crucified. Now, the Jews seeking a sign because they, they put the sign above their theology. And it was a good thing. If You might say, now that sounds kind of strange, Brother Branham. Well, Jesus said, if I do not the works of my Father then believe me not. See, if he didn't confirm the, the word of God, then don't believe him. But he said, if you can't believe me, then believe the word. Now we notice in the Bible, if a prophesier or a dreamer had a dream and they was uncertain about it, they take them down to the temple and put them before the Urim Thundam. And you notice, if the Urim Thundam didn't answer back. Now the closest study that I can find on that, what that Urimathundum was, was this breastplate of Aaron's. I picked it up the other day at one of the conventions up at the American Baptist um, grounds up in Green Lake, Wisconsin, where the full gospel businessman is having a convention. And they had the pattern of the stones there all. Now, and they took a dreamer or a prophesier, no matter how well it's seen, if those mysterious lights like rainbow flickering on that Urim Thundam, then the dream wasn't accepted, neither the prophecy. It was tried by the Urim Thundam. So see, it was supernatural that always vindicated truth. Amen. Now, I think the same thing today when we hear so much that the days of miracles has passed and you Pentecostal and full gospel people have gone off on the wrong end. I think it's because they don't understand after that Urimathundum of that pre-state or that uh, age ceased in the Aaronic Levitical priest age, we have another Urimathundum, and that's God's Bible. Amen. See, Amen. and if our signs 
and wonders are re- God's word is reflecting them, then we can say amen to it. It's God vindicating exactly what he promised to do. He promised he'd pour out the Holy Ghost in the last days. So it's just a reflection. It's it's this Urim Thundam reflecting itself in the people. Amen. I'm sure that's not hard to understand amongst this kind of a people. It's the, the Urim Thundam here, the Bible, reflecting God's promises. And Jesus had reflected his office as Messiah, and they had disbelieved it. And in the following chapters, we understand that they, the, the same chapter previous to this, they had seen his works and they had called him Beelzebub. Beelzebub is a devil. Uh, like uh, they'd see him doing those things and they thought he was a fortune teller or a witch or something. And he told them, now you're speaking against this and I'll forgive you, but when the Holy Spirit comes, perhaps to do the same thing was his meaning, to speak against that would never be forgiven then. See? Because in, in this world, nor in the world that is to come. Now, now, God in all ages always had gifts in His church. He's always vindicated His people. Wherever you see the living God, you see the signs of a living God. Amen. Now, there was Moab upon the hill. And he was offered, he had seven altars, Balaam did, and he had seven bullocks, he had seven rams, that bullock, a clean sacrifice, rams speaking of the coming just one. Fundamentally, he was just as fundamental as, as Moses was down in the camp of Israel. But the only difference was that God was confirming Moses by a smitten rock and a brass serpent and a pillar of fire and a shout of a camp in the camp of a king in there and God was vindicating that down there. That's the difference. That shows now if we talk fundamentalism now Cain was just as fundamental as Abel was. Both boys was wanting to find favor with God. Cain brought a sacrifice. Cain built an altar. Cain worshipped just as much sincere as Abel was, but Abel by spiritual revelation on which the church is built, on spiritual revelation of the will and word of God, offered a sacrifice that God was pleased with. And now, I believe that's the day that we're living in now also. Now, God always had signs. Jesus here was speaking of upbraiding them cities and said, Oh, thou Capernaum and different ones, if the signs if the mighty works had been done in you, that uh, or was done in Sodom, that been done in you, it would remain till this day. And you're exalted into heaven, but be brought down to hell. How was uh, rebuking the cities that did not receive the message? And look at the message today. How it's crossed the world. Missionaries. Oh, I believe it'll be more terrible for. Sodom and Gomorrah, and it will be for the peoples and the cities and today that's rejecting the gospel. Amen. When God, Amen. with His Urimathundum, is reflecting His last day signs and wonders among His people. Amen. Just look what's been done in the last few years. Around the world, revival fires are going with uh, great signs and wonders and miraculous things. There can't be nothing follow that but judgment after being rejected. Now, Jesus is speaking here of some of the people in the days that God had showed signs. One he spoke of was Jonah. And Jonah was sent down to Nineveh. And I always felt sorry for Jonah because many people, I think, misunderstood Jonah. Now, they said Jonah was backslid and he was this, that, and the other, and I've said the same. But let's just study Jonah for a minute. I don't believe that he was backslid because he was God's prophet and he seemed to be walking out of the will of God. But the little story I want to tell you in a moment, I believe you'll see that God made it all work out just right. You know, the footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And that gives us ministers a time 
a chance sometimes to kind of catch our breath when we think we made a wrong move. But sometimes God's just moving with us. We think it's wrong, but maybe it's God moving. Now, Nineveh is a city much larger than this one. Yes, about the size of St. Louis. And it was a, a city of heathens. And it was a great commercial city. And a great uh, a city of the seacoast. One of their main occupations there was fishing. And they were idol worshippers. And their sins had become so great until God just couldn't stand it any longer. Remember, there was no sacrifice on the altar for them then, like there is for the world today. So God could not intolerate that horrible sin. So he told his prophet to go down to Nineveh. We're all acquainted with the story who reads the Bible. And he said, cry out against that city. And the prophet, when he got down to the seacoast, instead of going to uh, Nineveh, he took a ship that was sailing out to Tarshish. Now, we've always thought that was a shortcut or dodging the duty. But I'm going to try to take up for that preacher tonight. And I'm going to say that I believe he was a prophet and was exactly in the will of God. I believe he followed the leading of the Spirit. I believe he was led to go that way. He didn't understand it after God had commissioned him one place. And here he found himself going another way. He went down into the bow of the ship or down the hull and went to sleep. And a great storm rose up. Well, we know that all of them cried out they was going to, going to sink and there was something wrong. And Jonah come up and confessed that it could be his fault. He said, bind his feet, his hands, and throw him overboard because it wasn't right for all of them to perish because of him. Now, God uh, had a big fish we call a whale to swallow him. And the fish was feeding through the water in that storm. Many of you notice how fish will surface, especially in the storm, to feed because as much uh, the, the ocean's having a revival. You know, it's jumping up and down, having a big time. That's when it's a, that's a revival. I remember when I stood by the side of the seashore the first time. It wasn't a sea, it was Lake Michigan. I was just a boy preacher went up here. Paul Rader preached at the World's Fair. About 1933, I believe it was, and when it was in Chicago. And I had my first opportunity to walk out and look at the large body of water, larger than the Ohio River. And it was just a jumping and a going on, you know, and it's early spring, Easter sunrise service, we were there. And I seen those great big white caps coming in, you know, and hit the, the bank and roll out. I thought of, that's floods of joy over my soul like the sea billows roll. Now look, they roll in, but that's not the end of the wave. It goes back to roll in again. Roll in. I thought, oh, what's it jumping about? What's it all? And something just seemed to say to me, it's having a revival. That's all. Well, I thought, you know what? There's not one speck, not one drop more of water in that place now, in that lake, than they was if it was perfectly quiet. There's no more water. Not a bit. Did you ever think of it? But it's just having a revival. They're jumping and screaming and shouting, having a revival. I thought, well, what's the use of having a revival? There was a wind came down, a rushing wind, you know, as we believe it, and begin to stir it up. What's the stirring up part? I happened to see that all the trash was out in the lake. It washed it off on the shores. That's what a revival is for. To wash all the trash out. You see? Get all the world out. And just rail up on the shore. Now, when uh, we... Uh, I hope our Pentecostal churches don't need one of them. I see. We just have to rejoice by it. You know, our churches really don't need that. Though. So, uh, <clears throat> we, have a, we have a revival anyhow. <laughs> so then, it... Um, it's just jumping and frolicking out there in the waves. So then uh, as this uh, ship jumping and the uh, fish feeding and uh, first thing you know, a big whale came by and swallowed up Jonah. And I was talking to someone about that year a few years ago when um, they brought a whale to Louisville on a flat car, just a skeleton of it. And this man was made a remark about it. He said, now... Uh, you know you've heard the proverb in the Bible about uh, uh, the whale swallowing Jonah. So now I want you all to notice that it, he couldn't have did it. It'd be as 
Oh, where the esophagus is here said the whale couldn't swallow much more than a like a, a orange or grapefruit where it goes down. Now, I stand there just as a boy listening. You know, I happen to think that you notice I read that later on listening. I thought, surely the Bible wouldn't lie about that. And I, I thought it couldn't be in the remaining the Bible. And that's no proverb. I believe that's the truth. But did you notice this was a special whale? God prepared this one. This was a special bill for the occasion. You know, God can do that. Yes, He can. He had Himself a sacrifice up there one time on the mountain in Genesis 22. Jehovah could provide for Himself a whale. Don't you believe so? So He got one big enough to swallow this prophet. And then when He went down in the atri fed, anyone knows when you feed your goldfish, well, you notice He goes right down to the bottom Puts his little swimmers on the bottom and rests because he's got a tummy full. Well, there he is down there resting. And this old whale perhaps swallowed Jonah and went down to the bottom of the sea, maybe many fathoms deep, and was resting. He had a, a whole tummy full. And then, uh, but you know, Jonah down there in the belly of this whale with the seaweeds wrapped around his neck and he was in a bad shape. And uh, he turned over on his back and he is in vomit of the whale, and he began to look this way. You know, people talk about, well, Brother Branham, I was prayed for last night, but my hands no better. You're, you're not looking to the promise. You're looking at your symptoms. Okay? Well, I, I was sick last night when I was prayed for him no better this morning. Uh, uh, pray for me again. That's all right. But if you accepted it the first time, there's no need to pray anymore because it's already settled. You see, it's yours. No. And um, you, you look at symptoms. It depends on what you're looking at. See? Yeah. So he was looking at symptoms. Uh, now, look, what if he would have looked at him down there? What if he looked this way? It was a whale's belly. Looked that way? It was whale's belly. Everywhere he looked, it was whale's belly. And he was in the bottom of the sea with his hands and feet tied behind him in the bottom of the sea on a stormy sea. Now, at the bottom of the sea, now you talk about a case of symptoms. He really had it down there in the bottom of that sea in this whale's belly. And... Um, and uh, there he was, his hands tied, his feet tied, laying with the seaweeds and what the fish had eat previous to this wrapped around him and laying down in the bottom of the sea. But you know what? He wouldn't look at that whale's belly. You know what he said? They were lying vanities. Amen. It just wasn't right. He's going to look at something else. He said, once more will I look to your holy temple. Amen. Now, Jonah knew that when Solomon dedicated that temple, that he prayed and said, Lord, if thy people be in trouble anywhere and look towards this holy place and pray, then hear from heaven. And he had confidence in that prayer. And you know what God did? I don't know whether they put an oxygen tank in there or what he did, but he kept him alive for three days and nights. Now, Jonah could have faith and under those circumstances on a prayer that a man prayed, an ordinary man that later backslid, and God honored that faith what ought we to do tonight? Not looking at a, a temple made with hands, but in glory. And not a man that backslid, but the Son of God sitting there with His, with his bloody garments to make intercession upon our confession. How we should not look at our symptoms, but look at God's promise. Yes, sir. Ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. That's all. He's a high priest sitting at the right hand of His majesty on high to make intercessions upon our confession. What we have believed and confessed. And anything that He did for us, we can confess it and believe it. And He's there to make it good before the presence of God. How we ought to rejoice and don't look at any symptoms. Look at what God promised. That's the promise. Now, we find out that's strange. Three days and nights, that old whale just circled around and around in the water somewhere out there. And Jonah was alive. Now, we are told that those people were fishermen. For their living, how they made their livelihood was fishing. So maybe all the fishermen out, and one of their gods was the whale god. So all of them out there fishing in the sea, and all at once upraised their god, run right up to the bank and licked out his tongue, and the prophet come walking right out of the mouth of their god. How could they keep it from him? Sure. No wonder they put sackcloth on their animals for the. The sea god had spit the prophet right out and he told him to repent. 
I see Jonah wasn't out of the will of God. He was right in the will of God. And Jesus said that a wicked and adulterous generation will seek after signs. Did you notice that? And they will receive it. He promised that they would receive their sign. He said, as Jonas was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Now, this is a wicked and an adulterous generation. We know it. And what was the sign they was going to receive? The sign of the resurrection. Jesus is not dead, but He's raised again. Again, great commercial cities given over to the to the enemy, over to the devil, and marrying, giving in marriage, and adultery, and perversion, and all kinds of filth that's in the earth today, and unbelieving Christians, form of God in this heady, high-minded, intellectual age. Amen. The prophet spoke of it. The Holy Ghost said specifically that in the last days there would come an intellectual age. Men would be lovers of their own selves, proud, yeah. blasphemers, disobedient, un- in- incontinent, and despisers of those that are good. You say them communists, Brother Renan. No, sir, they're church members. Yeah. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such. So are getting the sign of Jonas. For Jesus Christ is with His people tonight, performing and doing the same thing that He did before. He was crucified. He raised again and is living with us. You, you don't understand who that is you're sitting with out there. That's a son and daughter of God. Maybe it's a good thing we don't understand it the way we do. Oh, while we are assembled in heavenly places, watching His Urimathundum of this last day, reflecting His presence as He's ready to come. He's making His appearance in the form of the Holy Spirit to hone out His church to get it ready to be received. We're so happy to know it. So I don't think that Jonah was out of the will of God. And I believe the wicked and adulterous generation seeks after signs. Now, and they, God never refused, but He always gives them a sign. Now, we find out that we come down to the next character, which was Solomon. Now, all Bible readers know that the days of Solomon was the golden age of Israel. It, they prospered more under Solomon because there was hardly any war, and they built the temple, and it was a great golden time uh, for Israel. And the reason when Solomon, the son of David... When he took the throne, while he never prayed that God would would uh, give him uh, so much, but just wisdom to know how to govern and and hold the people together. Well, now God worked with him, and He gave him a gift of discernment. Amen. True, yes. certainly is, Amen. and he could discern the right from the wrong, and so forth, and. The news scattered everywhere throughout all the world of this great... You know, if God in any age, when He sees the people and He gives them a gift and or a sign, and a gift always produces a sign. That's the reason Jesus was rebuking them because He was God's gift. And the sign of God's gift was being vindicated. He said, if you can't believe me, believe the works, for they speak of me. And now, wouldn't it be nice tonight if all America believed God's gift for this last days? The Holy Ghost. Sure is God's gift. Now, just think, if they turn that sign down and that gift, what happened? The, The nation... Went into chaos. If they accepted that gift, then the nation had a golden age. Now, that's the same as it is tonight. Think of every American tonight that professes to be a Christian and believe in Jesus Christ would accept and believe the gift that God has sent us in this last days, the Holy Spirit. Why, you know what? They take every police off the force. 
They could just burn down the jails. We wouldn't need them no more. No, no. There'd be no more law offices and things. We wouldn't need it. While the millennium would be on. <laughs> sure. But what are they doing? They are turning down the gift of God. Not only that, but like it was in the days of Noah, they're making fun of it and scoffing at it. And we're sitting sweating it out. Right. Noah had to sweat it out too. Not changing from Solomon now to Noah. But did you notice God, after Noah would give his message, God told him to go in the ark and he sealed him up in there and the next morning he thought it would rain. But you know, Noah went in there on the 17th day of February. But you know what? It never rained for a week. And the people sitting around there, they said, well, the borderline believers said, that old man could have been right. Let's go up and see if it does come. Some, the sign says there's no water up there. But he said that his God could make water up there if he had promised it. So he might be, let's just hang around the border. There's just so many of that kind today. Just to see what's going to happen, you see. So the said, if it really does start like some water up there in the skies, clouds or something, we'll knock on the door and come in. Well, the first day, Noah believed it was going to rain. So he sat and looked out that window, and the sun come up and crossed, and not a drop of rain. You know, and Noah began to wonder, wonder if I'm right or wrong. So then the second day passed, the third day passed. Pentecost, don't never get in your mind that you're wrong now. Just sit there and sweat it out. He promised it, and he's going to do it. Uh, speaking of the night, don't pursue me. What if the apostle said, we've waited here nine days. I believe we've got the Holy Ghost. I presume we've got it. Let's go on out and start our ministry. Oh, no. They waited that Bible sign appeared over there. That's uh, still it was right. And they wasn't thinking nothing. They seen God have vindicated when his year of thunder began to flash out in their lives. Then Peter said, this is that which is spoken of with the prophet Joel. That's right. Because he had a scripture to back it up. And that's God's church today. And Solomon was God's great anointed one. How I'd imagine everybody in one heart and one accord. The whole nation was one heart and one accord. Wasn't that the way to be? What if all of the churches called the church of Jesus Christ tonight were just like Israel was at that time? One heart and one accord. They didn't want to come in and say, Oh, well, I don't know about old Solomon. I don't know about that. I believe he's a fanatic. What do you think about it, Jim? Oh, I believe he's a fanatic. You go out and live under their own olive tree. No, everybody would come to the meeting. They'd say, oh, Pastor Solomon, I've never seen such in my life. Glory to God for sending the Spirit down upon us. And you know, a revival like that gets scattered all over the world. Sure it does. And now in them days, they didn't have television and, uh, and radio and press and so forth to scatter news. It was just from lip to ear. And the great camel caravans and things passing through the different parts of the country... Well, they'd take the news. And after a while, they got way down in Sheba. Way down there. And there was a little queen down there now. She was a heathen. But she began to hear someone coming in and saying, Oh, I just passed through Israel. And we picked up some uh, stuff up there and we brought it down here. And, oh, you should see that country. You should see what kind of a meeting they got going on up there. They're just one person. And you know they've got a God up there that they call Jehovah. And that Jehovah has selected himself a man. And he's vindicating himself to be Jehovah through that man. Oh, my. Must have been a great talk. You know, faith cometh by Hearing the word of God. See, that's right. So these people saying that, way down in the heart of this little queen, she began to wonder. Wonder if all that's so. Well, wait till the next camel caravan comes through. And so the next one comes through. Have you passed through Israel? Yes, I've come that way. Is that so they got a revival up there, the Pentecost, or the, well, the Pentecost of that day, see? Have they got a real revival? Oh, they're one heart and one accord. Oh, my God. I just wish this group could get that way tonight. Yeah. I tell you, Columbia have headlines in the morning in the paper. I tell you, yes, yes, wonderful. And said, oh, yes, that. Tell me, did you get to see that uh, man that got up there, uh, uh, Solomon? Yes. Is it true that they've got a God that makes himself known through them? Yes, that's right. Boy, that little heart began to beat. <laughs> she wanted to go. Now, I think if we would start telling how good our people was, how wonderful this Holy Ghost is, yes. instead of trying to run one another down, you see, to each other, I think it'd make every... You're the salt of the earth, you see. 
But the salt can only save when it contacts. See? So I think if we just get real salty, the world will get real thirsty. Don't you think so? That's right. Get real salty. And now, we find out that Solomon was just having a great time. And so this little queen began to hunger and thirst. And I just imagine at night time, she would wake up. And she would call her, her, her girls and she'd say, Oh, I had a dream. And I dreamed that I, somehow a strange dream. And I believe that maybe it was because that um, leader of that band today was telling me about that revival up in uh, Israel. Finally, her heart began to beat. So she said, well, you know, I'm going up to find out for myself. That's good. Make your choice. You know, when something begins to beat, begin to thirst, it's time to go to hunting, man. If you begin to think, I may die one of these days, I don't know God. You better get started because that's God's red light. The signal's coming down. So you better hurry. If something tells you tonight, I believe there's a fountain for healing somewhere. God's signal ringing. Get in right quick. The water's already in trouble. Or you have to step right in. When did he get trouble, Brother Benham? 1,900 years ago on Calvary. The trouble. And then on the day of Pentecost, it really shut the whole thing. It really got trouble then. Now, all you have to do is step right into the waters of the Spirit and get healed. Now, this little woman, she was hungry and thirsty to go up there. So now, after all, she was a church member. So she had to go get a consent from her pagan priest. So if she could attend the revival or not. And so... I can see her now go down and she said, Holy Father, <laughs> I uh, would like to ask permission from you if I could, uh, they're having a revival over in Israel, they tell me. And they got a God over there that, oh, he's living right in the people and they're all one heart. They tell me that man has got a, a gift of discernment of some kind. He knows the mysteries and can foretell things that's coming to pass. And they say that there's great God up there that they serve. And you know, uh, uh, Holy Father, I would like to go down there and see if that's right. I could just imagine what taking place. I can hear him say, my child. <laughs> the dignity of a queen would ask to go amongst a bunch like that. <laughs> you know where God is pouring out his spirit, they're always looked down upon somehow. As a bunch of know-nothing. Sure, they don't know nothing in this world. They lose their own mind that they might find the mind of Christ. Yeah. And so, there it was certainly bad evil spoke of. How can you even say, child, certainly not. If there was such a thing going on as, as that kind of a gift, it would be in our church here. Yeah. You know, that still goes on. Yeah. Why, well, sure. Said it would be right here among us and, and our groups. That's where that would be going on. She said, but, uh, Father, uh, it's, uh, it isn't so. And they tell me, so I'd just like to get permission from you if I could go up there. Listen, you are a dignitary. You have a lot of prestige. And you are, you're a noted person. You can't belittle yourself to go amongst a bunch like that. <clears throat> and so um, uh, she said, but, you know, sir, I, I want to go anyhow. You know, there's something about it. When God goes to tugging at your heart, there isn't hardly anything going to keep you away from it. Amen. That's right. So begin to tug at her heart. You know, you must go anyhow. Well, she said, I've heard about it. That's how faith comes. Let me just go and find out for myself. I'll come back and bring your reports. You shall never have my consent. While your old dead grandmother and great-grandmother and so forth as queens before you, they've turned over out there in their tombs if they know you did a thing like that. I can just imagine her with the heart saying, well, they might as well get ready to turn over because I'm going. Because why? Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing the word. And when God goes to tugging at a heart, there's no way to get rid of it. Only go do what it tells you to do. It's the only way to do it. So here she was, tugging at her heart, and going, he said, now look, uh, you just stay here at your church, and someday, maybe Great Dagon or one of our gods here will move, she said, listen here, I want to tell you something. I have lived my time out in this temple, 
And all my days you've talked about a God. And I've heard my mother say the same thing. And you've got a book of rules here. And you've got a idols hanging around here. And I haven't seen one thing take place. Amen. Oh, that's and if there is such a thing as a God that can come into you. Do you all know the form of pagan worship? I know I don't want to. I'm watching that clock up there. I'm going to get wrong on this one. So now a pagan worship, the way they do, they bring the idol and set it up. And then they get a priest up and they bless the candle and they put this candle before the idol and they bring him something to eat and eat communion with him. And then they prostrate themselves before that idol and just give in their mind in such a way till they believe that they can hear that idol speak back to them. Now that's pagan idol worship. Now that's contrary to God. Amen. See, God is not an idol. God is a spirit. Amen. And we prostrate ourselves before that and the spirit don't come into some idol as some so-called Christians would have us to believe. But the Spirit comes into you, and you are God's house, living walking around, manifesting the living God. For God dwells not in temples made with hands, but a body has thou prepared. You are God's letter, a written epistle. God is in you. Manifesting himself through. If you can prostrate yourself before God and say, God, I'm a sinner, come into me. And then the Holy Spirit comes in, and then you're a living idol of God, living representative of God, walking around with God speaking through your lips to others. Now, this little woman says, perhaps to this priest, said, I've been here all these years. You've talked about all this. I haven't seen one time it spoke. I haven't seen one person act in any difference. It's always been the same old thing, and there's no life in it at all. And if there's somewhere that there is a God that can give life, I want it. I say amen to her. Yes, sir, I want to find it. Well, first thing that, it costed her her membership. (laughs) So she tucked her membership under her arm. So I think maybe she might have walked down the road. Now that little lady had some things to confront her. And now to go up there. And now the first thing she said, I'm going up and I've read all the books of what this Jehovah should be. And I'm going up to see for myself. And then she loaded down some camels with some gifts. And she said, if it is so, then I'm going to support it. If it isn't so, I'll bring my money back. Amen. Boy, she could teach some of us in America some lessons. Yes, sir. If there's anything to it, it's worth everything. If it isn't, they were nothing. And she said, if this thing that Jehovah claims to be, if he's manifesting himself and I can see it with my own eyes, then I'm willing to give everything to it. But if it isn't, I can just bring my gifts back. Now remember, with all that gold and stuff on them camels, she had uh, hundreds of miles to go. And you know what? Esau's children was in the desert and they were robbers. And what an easy prey it would be with all that money for just a, a group of those robbers to fall in on that little lady and slay her and them few little guards, eunuchs she had with her and take that money. But you know something? When you are going out to Christ, and determined to be Christ, there's no danger you understand at all. Amen. You don't care for nothing else. You've got one objective and one achievement, and that is to meet Christ. Or if the world will get the hunger like that. She wanted to meet Christ. And that was her main objective, or meet uh, Solomon, the gift, and see if it was God. And she didn't know any danger. She didn't know. Somebody said one time, uh, I seen a woman... Uh, got up and started shouting. And she ran around. Honest, she hurtled about four chairs. And some up and said, Look like that woman would have broke her neck. I know she's a common little housewife down there. But I said, She wasn't thinking about that. 
she just crossed over and she just couldn't sit down. That was wrong. She was running. She's on fire. I said she just had to run. And so she wasn't thinking about the danger. She was going on. Like to say, well, now, if you don't, uh, if you don't do so and so and so and so, you're going to die. You don't notice that. You take God's word for you and you just keep running on. And she had to go on. And now, remember, if you'll draw on your watch on your mat from where Jerusalem was all the way down to Sheba, that's across the Sahara Desert. And uh, it just takes a camel three months to get across there. Now, she didn't go across in an air-conditioned Cadillac. She had to cross on a camel and taken three months to do it. Now, that's when she's really hungered for God. The trouble with we Pentecostal people today, we got everything laying right in our lap, and we just look and say, well, I guess it's all right. That's pretty good. But when you have to pay a price like that, you really enjoy it when you get it. That's right. There she was. She just had to cross the Sahara. And here it was. And these old camels perhaps travel at night. A few maids with her and a bunch of little units along out there. Not thinking of nothing else, but all through the day, sitting up on the oasis somewhere, uh, reading those scrolls, what Jehovah was. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. She got these scrolls and was reading them. She wanted to know exactly what Jehovah was. And Solomon was manifesting Jehovah. So she went to find out. Well, finally she arrived, and she got at the gate. When she got at the gate, she unloaded all of her camels and probably parked out there in the lot. And let's just give a little drama now. I can see the people from everywhere all around. And the next morning, she cleaned up and, and went over to the, the meeting. And she got to sit down. And first thing you know, Pastor Solomon come out. And all the uh, music played and so forth. And Pastor Solomon come out. She got her, she didn't have a prayer card, so she just waited way in back in the building, you know. So she waited back there for a long time. And when Pastor Solomon got to, uh, got to talking, they, she noticed that there was nothing but the wisdom of what she had heard. And the next morning when she came in, I guess she got about middle ways. And the first thing you know, it come to pass that she got right up close. And one morning she got in the line. And she got up before Solomon. She said, now I see how, where this right or not. I'm just, I just, something all over me tells me it's right. And the Bible said there was not any secret but what God let Solomon know about. That's right. And when Solomon began to talk to her and discern her heart and her desires, you know what she said? She stood up before the people. Look at this little heathen now. Stood up before the people and she said, All that I heard is true and more than I heard. Oh, she was double convinced. Oh, she had seen like the rest of them had seen, and now it was working on her. Amen. And if you don't believe the Holy Ghost is right, give it the same kind of time. You might hear it on others, but wait till it goes to work on you once. <laughs> then you'll know for sure that it is a gift of God. It takes all temper, all uh, sin, all unbelief, all doubts, all fears. Even the fear of death goes away from you when the Holy Ghost comes in. Oh, it's real, friends. If you've never received it, don't let the night pass without receiving it. What a, a great thing it was. That poor little lady was so thrilled until she, she stood up there and even wanted to, to take some ground back down with her. She was really become a believer. And Jesus said... The queen of the south shall rise in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she come all the way from the utmost parts of the known world of that day, a back of a camel, to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And I say unto you that a greater than Solomon is here. Where Solomon was a deserting, look how much greater that was. And now tonight, after he's been dead, Buried and risen again in the glory as a high priest for 2,000 years. And the infidelic world, communistic, inspired as it is tonight, in the midst of all of it, a greater than Solomon. The same God with the same promise gift. The same Holy Spirit with eternal life. What was the matter with the little lady? 
She had seen something for one time in her life that was real. Yes. Something that wasn't a put on, a ritual, or a form of something. She had come to a church where she seen the moving of a living God. Now, if that little woman will raise in the day uh, Jesus is on the earth with that generation and condemn it, what about today? When she come 2,000, oh no, about 90 days, I don't know how many miles it was. It's way down. I did have it figured up once, but I know it takes a long time to get up there about... About 90 days to get up there, three months to the desert, to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and here in America, we'll hardly drive across the street to see the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ by a Bible, a Urim of Thundam, that promised that it would reflect Him in the last days, and here it is by Bible evidence. The Holy Spirit with Bible evidence. Has come into the church and showing the signs and powers of the resurrected Jesus right over his Greater than Solomon, the immortal spirit of God is working not just with one, he's working in the entire church, showing signs and wonders, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. Speaking with tongues, Lord giving interpretations, pouring down power, converting sinners, always showing signs of his being here, discerning the hearts and thoughts of the people that he promised he would do. And remember, the last sign that Israel got was that, and that's the last sign promised now. Amen. The last day sign. Here we are. That little queen had seen something. That was real. Something that she could look at herself. And it was real. She could see the reacting of it upon that man. She knew that it was something that people today, I believe, if the church, as I said, wouldn't blow so much steam from the whistle, but would put it to work and hunger and thirst to get the people around where such things are going on. See? They want to see something real. They just don't want to come in and put their name on a book. The people that are hungering and thirsting for God is coming to find something real. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, may our lives become a sermon. May others look at us and see us preaching Christ crucified through the living Christ living in us. We thank Thee for that blessed blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
could be a greater privilege than to serve God in this age, to walk in his provided way. Jesus is all, he's all, he's all that I have to live for. It's the only 